How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the first ever English Encore podcast. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you guys for tuning in. Today we're going to be going over a bunch of Buffalo sports topics. We're going to be going through the Bills 2019 schedule and doing a game-by-game prediction. We're going to go through the Sabres offseason so far and give them an overall letter grade. We're going to be talking about which team between the Sabres and the Bills has more pressure to win this year. And then finally, how important is Josh Allen's year two? So let's get right into it. So we're going to start off with the Bills 2019 schedule prediction. Week one, they start off on the road against the divisional opponent, the New York Jets. Obviously a huge week one. Um, the Jets have gotten a lot of hype in the offseason. Obviously Sam Darnold, just like Josh Allen's going into year two. They brought in a few marquee free agents, including Le'Veon Bell on the offensive side of the ball, and then C.J. Mosley on defense. Cornering that with Jamal Adams with as one of the premier safeties in the whole league. So it's definitely going to be a big task for the Bills week one, but I think they can get the job done. So I have them winning week one on the road against the Jets. Week two, they're staying right in MetLife against the New York Giants. Giants drafted Daniel Jones with their first round pick this year. A lot of controversy there between him and whether Eli Manning will still remain the starter throughout the course of the season. They already have a lot of injuries going on, specifically at the wide receiver position. They just lost Corey Coleman for the entire season. And then Sterling Shepard just dislocated his thumb, so we don't know how long he's going to be out, as well as Golden Tate is facing a four-game suspension. So I have the Bills winning that game week two to start off the season 2-0. and Week three, they finally get their first home game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Definitely an intriguing team as they have a new head coach and Zach Taylor from the Rams coaching staff trying to use that young coaching tree philosophy that a lot of teams are taking on now. Um, they have A.J. Green, obviously, superstar wide receiver who actually just got hurt in training camp. Looks like he has a sprained ankle, so it will be interesting to see how they monitor him over the preseason as he's coming off an injury from last season. Andy Dalton's still the quarterback. He's still a little bit of a question mark. Obviously a good starter in the NFL, but once they get to the playoffs, they never really do anything, so he'll be a little bit of a question mark. So I have the Bills winning that game and starting off the season 3-0. and then the Bills take on the Patriots week four. I have them losing that game. Um, until either, any team in AFC East shows any fight against the Patriots, it's still their division, and they're still more than likely going to win it. So week four at home, I have them losing against them. Week five, the Bills go on the road to face a tough Tennessee Titans team. Uh, they have one of the better defenses in the NFL. They have a lot of good corners and safeties between Malcolm Butler Kevin Byard and Kenny Vaccaro. The biggest question for them is going to be a quarterback. Marcus Mariota has shown flashes that he can be that franchise guy. However, they did trade for Ryan Tannehill, so definitely going to be a little bit of a quarterback competition. So it'll be interesting to see which one of them really takes the reins. On the offensive side of the ball, they don't have a ton of weapons. Obviously, they have Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis in the backfield. But a wide receiver, they still have a lot of question marks. Corey Davis started to show some flashes last year to being that number one guy. But I think the Bills can go in there and handle their business, come out with a win. They did beat the Titans last year at home. So I think they're going to be able to do the same this year on the road. So going into the bye week, week six, I have the Bills starting off at 4-1. and one. Uh, Coming out of the bye, I think the Bills have their easiest game of the year at home against the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins are easily the worst team in the AFC East this year. they got a new coach. 
quarterback carousel. We don't know if it's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen. And then on both sides of the ball, there's just a lot of question marks, and they're probably going to be one of the lower-tier teams in the whole NFL. So coming off a bye week, you'd hope that Buffalo can come out at home with a strong response and just beat down the Dolphins at home. So have them winning that game. Next week, they have another home game against the Philadelphia Eagles. I have them losing that one. Carson Wentz fully recovered from his injury last year. They have a lot of great pieces on offense. They traded for Jordan Howard. They have Zach Ertz at tight end. Alshon Jeffrey, not on defense side of the ball. Fletcher Cox is one of the most premier defensive linemen in the league. So I have the Bills dropping that one at home. Following week, they go on the road to take on the Redskins. I have them winning that game. I think Dwayne Haskins will probably be the starter, or should be by then. On the offensive side of the balls, the Redskins don't have a ton of talent. They have Adrian Peterson, Chris Thompson, Darius Geis, and they drafted Bryce Love. So they have a lot of good running backs. But outside of that, as far as tight end goes, receiver, there really isn't much there. Jordan Reed's a quality tight end, but he gets hurt every year. And there's no really big-name receiver to worry about, so I think the Bills' defense are going to have their way. And I think the offense should be able to put up some points, and I have them beating the Redskins. Week 10, I have them losing on the road against the Cleveland Browns. It's going to be the first Baker-Mayfield-Josh Allen matchup. I think it's going to be a really exciting game. But at the end of the day, Cleveland just has so much talent on the offensive side of the ball between Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, David Njoku, not to mention they have a stellar defense with a couple good corners in Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams and then Miles Garrett. So I have the Bills losing that one week 10. Week 11 on the road against the Dolphins, I have them winning that one. They came within a play last year beating the Dolphins on the road. I thought that was one of Allen's best games on the year. Charles Clayus makes it a few yards more back. I think the Bills end up winning that game, obviously. And then it'll be interesting to see um, who the quarterback is for the Dolphins at that point. It could be Fitzpatrick. It could be Rosen. I think by week 11, it'll probably be Rosen. So it'll be interesting to see potential be, uh, having Allen first Rosen for the first time, maybe a second time, depending if Rosen starts that week seven game. Then week 12, I have the Bills coming home and beating the Broncos. Broncos obviously have a really good defense with Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Chris Harris. But offensive side of the ball is very much a question mark. Philip Lindsay showed flash last year at the running back position for them. But they just got Joe Flacco. They drafted Drew Rock in the second round. But receiver's a big question mark. Obviously, Emmanuel Sanders is still there. But he has an injury, so we'll see with that. They traded Demarius Thomas last year. Cortland Sutton going into his second season. So I think the Bills should be able to easily handle the Broncos, especially being a home game. So I have them winning that one. Then Week 13 comes along, and the Bills get to play the 430 game on Thanksgiving on the road against the Cowboys. And to me, this is really the turning point in the season. I think up to this point, the Bills have probably one of the easiest schedules in the NFL but from this point on, it's probably one of the hardest. Um, I have them winning the game against the Cowboys. Obviously, it's going to be a very tough task. We've never had a good history of winning games in Dallas. The Cowboys are obviously loaded with talent between Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, and then on the side of the ball, Van Der Esch and Smith at that linebacker position. It's obviously lethal. So I have the Bills winning that game. It gets them up to nine wins. 
Um, the next three games, weeks 14 through 16, uh, have them losing the next three. Week 14 at home first the Ravens. Week 15 on the road against the Steelers. And week 16 on the road against the Patriots. All three are really tough games. I think the Ravens is probably their best chance to win. I think that's probably their best 50-50 chance for a game. Um, Lamar Jackson, we haven't really seen him. We saw a glimpse of him last year when the Ravens were blowing us out in week one. So we'll see what the defense draws up. And then obviously by then, hopefully Josh Allen will have it really going and see if, between him and Jackson who's maybe the better quarterback in that draft class. Week 15 and 16, just away games with the Steelers and Patriots, both really tough places to play. And I think it's going to be a little bit of a shell shock for this team. Uh, at this point, I think they'll be pushing for a playoff spot, so we'll definitely see how they handle it. And then week 17 at home versus the Jets, I have the Bills getting a win. And I think it could be very much like uh, when we had Tyrod his first year where the Jets had the opportunity where if they beat us, they got into the playoffs. I think it's going to be a very similar type situation. And I think the Jets could also be in a similar type spot as the Bills at that point. So it'll definitely be a very intriguing game. And especially be just comparing Darnold and Allen in year two, it's a huge game to end the season. So after that's all said and done, I have the Bills finishing at 10-6 and six overall. Um, I think that'll put them right around that wild card spot. I don't think they really have a chance at winning the AFC East. I think that's really the Patriots for the taking. I think the Patriots will probably finish around that 12-4, and 13-3 mark. So the Bills definitely have a chance to make the playoffs. The best way for them to do that is they have to go 4-2 in the division, in my opinion, whether that's sweeping the Dolphins and beating the Jets twice and losing to the Patriots twice, which I have them doing in my schedule prediction, or if you beat the Dolphins twice and then you split with both the Jets and the Patriots. And then your 50-50 games for the year to me is probably the Cowboys, Ravens, and Steelers. I think you have to come up with at least one of those games in order to put yourself in a good spot for the playoffs. Because Cowboys, Ravens, Steelers, even a game like the Eagles and Browns are all 50-50 games. And if you can squeak one of those out, I think your chances of making the playoffs are a lot better. So now we're going to get into the Sabres offseason. Uh, I gave them so far a B-minus overall letter grade, and I'm going to go through their moves and give you my reasonings why. So in the free agent market, they brought back some of their own guys. They brought back Evan Rodriguez on a one-year deal, Johan Larson on a one-year deal, Gergensen's on a one-year deal, C.J. Smith on a two-year deal, and then obviously the biggest move of the Sabres offseason so far was being able to re-sign Jeff Skinner to that long-term eight-year deal, which was obviously most important. You can't let a 40-goal scorer just walk and not get anything in return. And then another move I really liked in free agent was signing Marcus Johansson to a two-year deal. Guy who's been in the playoffs before can definitely put some points up and it'll dramatically improve that second and third line depth that the Sabres really struggled with last year. They relied way too much on the Eichel, Reinhardt, Skinner line to keep them in pretty much every single game. And then exploring the trade market, the Sabres made three trades so far this offseason. They traded Alex Nylander to the Chicago Blackhawks for defenseman Henry Yokiaru. Hopefully I didn't butcher that name too bad, but I really like that move. Young and up-and-coming defenseman, one of the top prospects across the whole NHL. So adding more defensive depth, which is huge for the Sabres because they really struggled in their own zone last year. 
Then they traded a third-round pick to the New York Rangers to acquire Jimmy VC, which was kind of odd because a few years ago the Sabres acquired his rights from Nashville before he ultimately ended up signing with the Rangers. So another good depth move. I'm not a huge fan of Jimmy VC, but as far as that third and fourth line depth, I think it's a good addition, especially putting him on the wing of a guy like Casey Middlestad. I think it could really help him. And then I really like trading for Colin Miller, only giving up a second and a fifth to Vegas. Uh, Vegas was kind of cap tied, so getting Colin Miller in that trade was huge. And then obviously in the draft, we had two first-round picks. Uh, we drafted Dylan Cousins and Ryan Johnson. I like both of those picks a lot. Um, the biggest reason I gave the Sabres a B- minus overall is there's still a lot of issues. Um, that second-line center position still very much up in the air. Uh, it's unclear if they think Middlestat's going to be ready for that spot, whether they think maybe Johansson can play second-line center. He's played wing and center throughout his NHL career so far. So I think until they address that, um, they can't really get higher than a B- minus or a B in my opinion. And then with adding all these defensemen, Rasmus Ristolainen's name has been brought up in a lot of trade speculation. Personally, I'm a big Ristolainen fan, I think, Given the right coach and using him in the proper situations, he'd be a very good defenseman. I just think he could really use a fresh start. I think he's his time's done in Buffalo. Um, he's just playing too many minutes. Um, he's not a defenseman that should be playing that 22 to 25 minutes. He should be around that 18 to 20 range and be a second or third line defenseman. He's not really good enough to be that first line guy. And the problem with that is, is we're paying him a little over $5 million per season. So you're not going to keep a guy and pay him $5 million if he's going to be on your second or third. And the Colin Miller and the Henry Okiaru moves are pretty significant, thinking that um, he's gonna, those guys are going to be your first and second line and third line guys. Obviously, Montour, we traded uh, from him from Anaheim last year. He's going to be going in as a first or second line guy. And then once Bogosian and Pilot both return from injury, those guys are easily going to be in your top six. We'll see what they do with um, Jake McCabe once his arbitration hearing comes. And then you still do have Marco Scandella, Matt Hunwick, guys that are probably going to be just every few games once an injury occurs or you just need a change of pace in the lineup that they'll go in. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Ristolainen. Uh, there's been some trade talk with Edmonton and Winnipeg from what I've been seeing. Um, I personally would like to see them trade him to Winnipeg for Nikolai Ehlers. I think that'd be a great trade. Uh, would give Winnipeg that defensive depth after they lost Tyler Myers. And Ehlers would be easily a top six for the Sabres and fill that need. Or we could potentially trade him to Edmonton for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. The only thing with that is if you do that, you're more than likely going to have to give up more than just Ristolainen. Um some free agents that are still out there that the Sabres could be taking a look at. Uh, ben Hunt and Jake Gardner, both left-hand shot defensemen. Currently on the Sabres roster, the only left-handed shot defensemen they have are Rasmus Dali and Matt Hunwick, and then depending on if they get McKay back as well as Marco Scandella. So I think if they could add another left-shot defenseman, that would be huge for the team overall just because Hunwick and Scandella are both guys you don't really want in your lineup every night. They were both kind of bad on the defensive side and offensive side last year. I'm not really a fan of 
either of those guys, Hunnick was kind of brought over because Bottrell knew him from Pittsburgh. And then that Scandella trade really hasn't worked out since. It'll be interesting to see what they do with some of the veteran guys like Pominville, who's a free agent, whether or not they want to bring him back. Personally, I would lean on more younger guys. I think a guy like C.J. Smith should have a real opportunity to make this lineup. Uh, Tage Thompson, we'll see how he responds after getting sent down at the end of last year. I think Victor Olofsson should be making this roster pretty easily. And then another defenseman to keep an eye on for camp-wise would be Will Borgen. He showed a little bit of flashes when he came up and played a few games last year. I'm pretty high on him. So we'll see what the Sabres continue to do in the offseason. we still got some time before training camp starts. Overall, I think the Sabres have gone out, done some nice things to add some scoring depth for that third and fourth line. But um, I still think they need to add to that top six. Um, I don't think a guy like Connor Sheary or Jimmy Vesey should be in that top six. And we'll see what they want to do with Kyle Oposo. Obviously, a lot of people aren't happy with his contract. But I think he needs to be in that top six. I think when you put him with a guy like Jack or if they can find a second-line center like a Nikolai Ehlers, I think Oposo's production would really go up. You can see it on the power play. Most of his production last year came from that when he played with guys like Jack and Sam. So it'll be very interesting, especially to see if they'll keep Reinhardt on that top line with Skinner and Ikes, or if they're going to move him to the second line and put Olofsson maybe giving him a shot on that top line. So we'll see what Botterill elects to do for the rest of the offseason. So going into the next topic, deciding between who has more pressure between the Bills and the Sabres this year to really win, We'll give some cases for both sides before I tell you why I think the Sabres have the more pressure to win. Obviously, the Bills do have a lot of pressure this year. It's the third year with McDermott and Bean regime. Uh, they have one of the more elite defenses in the NFL. They made the playoffs just a few short years ago with a less superior team than they have now. They added a lot of guys in the offseason, whether that was through the draft and Ed Oliver, or adding guys like John Brown, Mitch Morse, Cole Beasley, and then Josh Allen, obviously, in year two. We've seen in the past a lot of second-year quarterbacks make that big leap. So, obviously, the Bills do have a lot of pressure to really compete for a playoff spot. However, I think the pressure is a lot more on the Sabres, um, and here's why. So, Botterill's going into year three. Um, they've had two of the worst losing seasons in Sabres history. Despite getting the new coach, I don't think Botterill can use that as an excuse for not making the playoffs. You look at some of the coaches last year in their first years, you had Rob Brindamore on the Hurricanes, Jim Montgomery on the Stars, and Todd Reardon on the Capitals. All first-year coaches all made the playoffs. So the new coach um, excuse can kind of be thrown out the window, in my opinion. And then you've just been wasting years of your young players' talent. You have Eichel going into year five, Reinhardt going into year six, Darlene going into year two. You just re-signed Skinner, who's getting up there in age so the more and more you're not making the playoffs the more and more you're wasting away these guys years in their primes and then since the Hurricanes made the playoffs last year now Buffalo holds the longest playoff drought in the NHL and from a fan perspective the Sabres always have had great fans it's known as a hockey town even when the Sabres don't make the playoffs they're always in that top five for TV ratings throughout the playoffs and in the Stanley Cup final if the on the ice performance isn't good. The least thing you can do is have stuff at the arena that's all great. I think the Sabre store is really good and that they have the stores at the different levels. 
but as far as the concessions, the seating and everything goes, and the in-between periods, on-ice entertainment, all that stuff, I think it really needs to be improved. Um, I think the food at the arena is lackluster at best. Um, you're paying these eight, nine dollars for a slice of pizza and a drink that's not even that good for a team you're about to go watch. And besides that great 10-game win streak they had last year was pretty boring or just sad to go and watch those games, to be completely honest. And, you know, the biggest reason I also think that the Sabres are having more pressure to win now is because if even if the Bills go 6-10, and 7-9 and nine next year, but, if, but Tremaine Edmonds, Josh Allen, Ed Oliver, guys like that should show significant improvement throughout the course of the season, and the Bills are losing really tight games by 3 or 7 points, even if they get that 7-9 and nine record, they're going to have a little bit more upbeat feeling about the team. Whereas a Sabres fan who's been waiting for the playoffs for so many years and haven't seen since Ryan Miller was the goalie. And obviously that 10-game win streak last year brought a lot of hope. And in some ways, I actually think that helps my case even more of why the Sabres have more pressure. Because they displayed that 10-game win streak last year, and they brought all this excitement. And you saw the chemistry between Eichel, Skinner, and Reinhardt. And all these second, third-line guys were contributing and then it all kind of just collapsed. But the fans saw that, and they could see that they have the talent there, that they can win and put games together like that. So to me, if you can't make that jump this year and make the playoffs, I think Jason Bottrell's name is going to be one that's going to be thrown around. Obviously, I'm not a huge fan of um, changing your GM and whatnot every two to three years, but in this case, I think you might have to make a move, especially if this doesn't work out. Um, I think Bottero would probably get the benefit of the doubt if they do have a bad season just because Ralph Kruger is going to be a first-year head coach, even though, as I mentioned before, I think that should be kind of thrown out the window. Um, I think Bottero's probably got another year after this year if they don't uh, make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, great. I think then the pressure would shift to the Bills if they don't make the playoffs. But for right now, I definitely think the pressure's on the Sabres put that winning product on the ice, especially after Bottero keeps talking about all these additions he's making. And it's pretty clear that the players think that they can make the playoffs. Um, Jack's been very vocal about it. Sam's been very vocal about it. And obviously Jeff Skinner resigning kind of gives the impression that he thinks that these teams are very close to making the playoffs. You guys got Rasmus Dahlin, Casey Middlestat, Tage Thompson, all these young guys going into their second or third years. So I think the expectations are pretty high for the Sabres even though they're in one of the toughest divisions in the NHL so it'll be definitely an interesting year for the Sabres overall but now getting into Josh Allen and year two and how important it is obviously as a second year quarterback I think the third year is probably your most important overall because that's kind of the make or break whether they're going to decide to keep you or not uh, however recently we've seen that trend kind of been Bucked a little bit just because, you know, the Cardinals drafted Josh Rosen last year. And after one season on a terrible team, even though it wasn't really his fault, they move him to the Dolphins because they want to take Kyler Murray number one overall. Um, we've seen in years past guys like EJ Manuel. He started his first year, showed some promise. That second year after four games got yanked for Kyle Orton. So there's a little bit of that short leash with quarterbacks nowadays, it seems. Um, I think that two to three year 
is where the teams are really evaluating uh, if that quarterback's going to be the franchise guy. Um, just based on the Bills' quarterback history, I think this is a pretty significant year for Josh. Just because if you look at the quarterbacks selected in the first round since Jim Kelly, it's been EJ Manuel and JP Lossman. Both of them are obviously nothing close to Jim Kelly, not even close to a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick in Bills history. Um, so this is a pretty big year for Josh. Josh is the highest drafted Bills quarterback in history at that seventh overall. And you look at the other QBs from last year's draft class as well. Um, Lamar Jackson comes in and his team makes the playoffs. Um, Sam Darnold's gotten a lot of hype, especially with their offseason additions. Baker Mayfield really showed why he was the number one overall pick last year. And now you add guys like Odell Beckham to the mix, and that should easily be a playoff team in my opinion. The only one that's really a question mark is Josh Rosen just because that team was so bad last year and now we got traded Dolphins you really don't know what he, um, he is yet and then Josh is probably the next biggest question mark just because he did show some great flashes obviously he is known for that hurdle against the Vikings and then those three straight around 95 plus rushing yard games and he really showed off his athleticism and his ability to throw a deep ball but that mid-route accuracy and just being a little bit smarter with the football is still a little bit of a question mark. There's still a lot of people in the media and around the NFL that are questioning Allen's talent. So it's definitely going to be a big year for him, especially just because of all the other guys look like they're all going to have pretty productive years. And Allen definitely wants to have his name at the top of this draft class with a guy like Baker Mayfield and Sam Donald to show that he's right there with them. I think Allen, Jackson, and Rosen are three biggest question marks of last year's draft group not to mention the bills and brandon bean went out and gave josh a lot of offseason help they brought in mitch morse who obviously worked with patrick mahomes last year to go out and get a few veteran wide receivers in cole beasley and john brown who are going to significantly help josh this year not to mention they bring in a guy like frank gore who's just going to be a great locker room guy um to go along with LaShawn mccoy who it seems like him and Josh are pretty tight friends. Um, the Bills fans definitely want to win now. I think if Josh struggles here, he's definitely going to hear that noise of, well, next year they should be thinking about drafting another quarterback just because next year's quarterback class looks like it's going to be another good one. They have Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama, Jake Fromm from Georgia, and then Herbert from Oregon. So, if Josh doesn't uh, significantly improve this year, I think they're going to be looking into that next year. And maybe if they don't draft one, they might be looking at free agency to a guy to really compete with Allen. Um, you know, Bills fans have a pretty short temperament as far as not winning. Um, you know, Tyrod had a great first year when he beat out Matt Castle and Manuel, and he got the contract and all the fans were happy. And then as you saw the next year, he kind of took a step back. And then that third year, they didn't really want him, even though we made the playoffs. It was pretty obvious he wasn't going to be the franchise guy. So looking at Allen, same type of deal. Um, I think he really needs to show some pretty drastic improvements. I'm not saying that even if he's not as good this year, that he can't be the franchise guy going forward. But it's going to be very important for him this year to um, make that jump, especially just because the success of the Bills and making the playoffs pretty much I wouldn't want to say it's all on him, but a good portion of it is obviously the 
quarterback position is the most important in the NFL. Um, the Bills have always had a great defense, but even with that great defense, it hasn't really um, turned into anything just because the offensive numbers have always been so low. And even when the Bills made the playoffs, I believe we were 32nd in the NFL in passing, but we had a good rushing attack. Obviously, with the, all the offensive line additions this offseason, I think that's really going to help Sean McCoy have a bounce back year, and I think it's really important to help Josh out in that way, and I think if you can get the ground game going, it's going to take a lot of pressure off him last year because we couldn't get the ground game going. There's a lot of pressure for Josh to throw the ball in the air, and that's when he really showed off his athleticism and used his legs just because he was having a tough time finding guys down the field, and there weren't guys creating separation. So it's definitely going to be very important here for Josh. I don't think it's a make or break here. I think that third year will be that, depending on how he performs this year. Obviously, at the beginning of this podcast, I predict the Bills go 10-6, and six, so I have some pretty high expectations for Josh this year. Um, from what I've seen so far, just a few start days of training camp, he's looked pretty good. Obviously, training camp doesn't mean that much until you get on the actual field against other teams. I mean, we Nate Peterman's the perfect example of that. Was the greatest training camp and practice player ever, but once he got on the field, he was just terrible, to be quite frank. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be it for this podcast. I thank you guys for all tuning in. Um, next week we got a variety of other topics outside of Buffalo sports. We'll be talking about the MLB playoff race, the winners and losers of NBA free agency. We're going to get into some early predictions for the 2019 U.S. Open for the men's side. And then we're going to be talking about some fantasy football because obviously NFL season's coming right up. So we'll be talking about some of the top players at each position and then some players to probably stay away from and some sleepers. So thanks for tuning in, guys, and hope you enjoyed the podcast and hope you guys tune in next week.